0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from Ransom City Church. For more audio content, visit ransomcitychurch.org. Open your Bibles to Romans 4, verses 17 through 25. We're continuing our series in Romans this morning. Um, this will actually be our last sermon in Romans for uh, a little bit, and we're going to start 1 John um, after this. Um So that brings us to to this text this morning, Romans 4, 17 through 25. Um, As you're flipping there, I also wanted to briefly address um, all that's happened with George Floyd and everything going on with the protests in Minneapolis and all over the country at this point, um, including nearby Chicago. Obviously, church, murder is wrong. And so is racism, if that was at play here. And unrighteous violence and stealing and destroying other people's property is also wrong. All of those things are wrong, though obviously one of them, that one being murder, is more heinous and more grievous than the others, but all of them are wrong nonetheless. So we pray that justice would be served, but we do so calling all sin for what it is, which is wrong and to be repented of. And we pray for justice, knowing however this plays out in the here and now, one day perfect justice will be served when Christ returns and redeems all things. So with that, pray with me and we'll jump into our passage for this morning. Lord, help us to respond to this horrific situation in a godly way. Help us as we wrestle, Lord, help us to be angry and, and do not sin. Lord, be with us in that. Um, be with us this morning as we open your word. I pray that you would open our hearts, that you will humble us, that we would be ready to receive what you have to say this morning. And Lord, ultimately, that that we would have a heart that says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, looking at our text, starting in verse 17 through 17 and 18, we'll look at our text and walk through it together this morning. It says, as it is written, speaking of Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. And so, uh, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. In hope, he, being Abraham, believed against hope, meaning against all hope or contrary to how impossible the promise that he would be the father of many nations seemed, because he and Sarah were both old and Sarah had been barren her entire life. Contrary to how impossible that seemed, Abraham believed he had hope in the promise. But how? How did Abraham believe and have hope in the promise despite how impossible it seemed, despite all these seemingly hopeless data in front of him? How did he do this? Verse 17 tells us, it says, in the presence of of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls to existence the things that do not exist. In other words, not because of anything in himself. As we'll see in a minute, Abraham was painfully aware of the hopelessness of the situation apart from God, right? So not because of anything in himself, but because he knew and believed that God could do it that with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible, as it says in Matthew nineteen twenty six. This is the same God who can raise the dead and who spoke the universe into existence, ex nihilo, or out of nothing. And Abraham knew who God is enough to look at the hopelessness of his situation on paper, and yet look at God, and go, I trust you. I believe you can make this happen, despite how impossible that may seem. This church is faith. This is faith. Hebrews 11.1 one says, says, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Meaning, I, I don't totally get exactly how this is going to work out. I, I don't have all the details, but I trust you. <laughs> because you are God and your word is true. This is faith, right? I trust you, God, that your word is your bond, right? That you always keep your promises. So I trust you no no matter how impossible things might seem right now, because with God, all things are possible. I also think uh, there's a hint here also of how we can continue growing and being strengthened in our faith in this section. And that's this, that's shifting our focus off of ourselves and all of our worries and insecurities, how hopeless our situation seems and so forth, and onto our God, his power, his faithfulness to his promises and so forth. After all, to give you an illustration, when Jesus empowered Peter to walk on water, when did Peter sink? When he saw the wind and doubted when he shifted his focus off of how big his God is and onto how big the situation in front of him seemed. The bigger God is in our hearts and minds, meaning that the better we understand just how powerful and faithful he really is, the stronger our faith will be even in the midst of the storms of this life, church. So keep studying his word, and making gospel community a priority so you can keep having God's word preached to you that you'd continue to grow in your understanding of how big God really is. Amen? Especially church, as we navigate the storm that is COVID-19 and its global impact together, right? And the situation with um, the, the murder we were talking about this morning and the, the protests as a result and a lot of the, the, the stealing and unrighteous violence and all of those things as a result, Lord, especially in these times, right? There, there's no time like the present to start wearing out the binding on your Bible, right? Uh, this is a great time to be studying God's word that we'd be encouraged and strengthen our faith to help us navigate these uncertain times, Amen. Verses 19 through 21, we'll keep going. It says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver uh, concerning the promise of God But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Now, to clarify, Paul is not saying that Abraham had perfect faith. Um, Abraham was a sinner just like you and I, and none of us have perfect faith, right? None of us sinners have perfect faith. So that's not what he's saying. And and in fact, if you know anything about Abraham in particular, then you know that he didn't have perfect faith. If you don't know what I'm talking about, see the book of Genesis. (laughs) Abraham was most certainly a sinner like you and I. So Paul can't mean that. Paul can't mean that Abraham had perfect faith. So what does he mean? I think what Paul is getting at here is that once Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, as it says in Romans 4, 3, even though his faith was far from perfect, by God's grace, he never veered completely into unbelief, but ultimately continued believing in the promise, albeit imperfectly, right? Because he's a sinner just like you and I. Uh, to give you an illustration, uh, picture kind of like a, a light switch with a dimmer there's varying degrees of brightness, meaning strength of faith. But Abraham never veered into the off position once he believed. Right? It, it, his faith stayed on, so to speak. He kept believing until he reached the finish line, albeit imperfectly. The 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 14, paragraph 3 summarizes this well. It says, this faith may exist in varying degrees so that it may be either weak or strong. Again, picture a dimmer, a light with a dimmer, right? Yet even in its weakest form, it is different in kind or nature, like all other saving graces from the faith uh, and common grace of temporary believers. Therefore, faith may often be attacked and weakened, but it gains the victory, meaning it never completely goes out For the believer. That's true for us, and it was true for Abraham as well, who was a sinner just like you and I. And I think that's what Paul is getting at in this passage. Though imperfect, Abraham's faith never weakened to the point of going out, so to speak, despite how impossible his situation seemed from an earthly perspective. Why? Well, ultimately because God wouldn't let it go out, (laughs) because God doesn't lose sheep. Right as we've talked about many times as a church, Jesus says this in John ten twenty seven through 33. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand, uh, out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. This is another passage where I believe we see that the doctrine of the preservation of the saints. Meaning that once we believe, once we put true saving faith in Christ, God preserves or keeps us in the faith until we reach the finish line, until we die or Christ returns. Which is such good news, church. Such good news that the same God that kept Abraham in the faith will keep us in the faith until we die or Christ returns for those who have true saving faith in Jesus. And so church, find rest in that promise this morning, that Jesus doesn't lose sheep, right? That that if we truly believe no one will snatch us out of his hand, that we're safe in our Savior's arms, find rest in that promise this morning. It's like an an eternal, all-powerful bear hug. No one is stealing us from God. That's not gonna happen, right? That's the good news of this promise if we have true saving faith in Christ. So by God's grace, because God was keeping and preserving Abraham in the faith, verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. This is important. Abraham knew, he knew. He knew how hopeless his situation was on paper apart from God. And yet, as it says in verse Uh, 19, yeah, verse 19 into verse 20. And yet he did not weaken in the faith to the point of it going out. And then in verse 20, no unbelief made him waver again to the point of complete unbelief concerning the promise of God. Again, because God in his grace wouldn't let it, but instead, right? He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. By God's grace, instead of buckling under the pressure of how hopeless his situation seemed into complete unbelief, Abraham instead grew strong in his faith over time, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. In other words... As Abraham lifted his eyes off of himself and how impossible his situation seemed and unto the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls to existence the things that do not exist, as it says in verse 17, over time, he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised, verse 20 and 21, which makes sense, church, when we think about it, because Our confidence in God grows over time as we get to know Him better. Right? As we get to know His power, His faithfulness, His character, etc. Right? Picture like like the confidence uh, that you would have in a loving parent or friend. It, It grows over time as we get to know them better and experience their trustworthiness firsthand more and more. Our confidence in them grows, right? This is progressive sanctification. This is us growing in the faith over time by the grace and power of God. Again, church, the bigger God is in our hearts and minds, meaning that the better we understand how powerful and faithful he really is, the stronger our faith will become even in the midst of the storms of life. And I think that's exactly what we see going on with Abraham here. As he lifted his eyes off of himself and how impossible his situation seemed and onto the God in whom he believed who, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist and got, him to, got to know that God better and better over time, his faith grew stronger, right? So that's the question for us. If our faith feels weaker right now, particularly in this very challenging season, church, where are our eyes? Where is our focus would be another way to ask that question. Is it on ourselves and how hopeless our situation seems or is it on God with whom all things are possible? Are we getting to know him better and better over time? Are we getting to know our God, the one true God of the Bible? Are we getting to know him better and better over time by studying his word and having it preached to us regularly in gospel community? If not, let's repent and get back to the basics by the power of the Holy Spirit that our faith would be strengthened, amen? And I think here we see as well in this section that we can come to terms with and be honest with ourselves about our struggles without having them completely eclipse the power and faithfulness of God in our hearts and minds. Abraham knew that his own body was as good as dead. And he knew the barrenness of Sarah's womb and was still fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. To give you an illustration, Abraham knew how big the storm was, but he ultimately knew his God was bigger, right? Lord, help us to remember and cling to that same truth by the power of the Holy Spirit, especially now as we navigate a very uncertain season. Verses 22 through 25. Paul goes on to say, this is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours Also, it will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Starting with, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Well, why? Well, because he had faith in the promise, which ultimately finds its fulfillment in Christ. So Abraham had faith in the Messiah to come, right? a faith that was shown to be genuine because it endured to the end. So his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Why? Because Christ's perfect righteousness is counted to Abraham by faith, right? Again, we've talked about this before uh, in this series in particular. We've talked about it a few times recently, but just to remind us, Old Covenant saints were saved by grace, meaning completely undeserved, through faith in Christ like we are, not by works, the 1689 Baptist Confession, chapter 11 on justification, chapter 11, paragraph six says, in all these ways, the justification of believers under the Old Testament was exactly the same as the justification of believers under the New Testament. We've used this illustration before, but just to help us picture it, old covenant saints were saved through faith in a Messiah to come. New covenant saints are saved Uh, by by faith, by grace through faith in the Messiah who has come, right? Old covenant saints through faith in the Messiah to come, new covenant saints through faith in the Messiah who has come. Just because we have more detail doesn't mean that old covenant saints weren't saved by grace through faith in Christ like we are. They were, and that includes Abraham, amen? goes on to say, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Meaning, all the way back when Genesis fifteen six was written that Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. It was written not only for Abraham's sake, but for ours also. That we would know that if we believe in Jesus, that Christ's payment for our sin is acceptable, pleasing to God on our behalf, illustrated in his being raised from the dead. Again, that's the receipt, the resurrection, the receipt showing the check cleared, that we too would have our faith counted to us as righteousness. Right? And this shows that this has always been God's plan to save and redeem a people for his own possession, right? That that as far back as when Genesis 15 was written, it was written for the Christians Paul is writing to here in Rome and for those of us who are believers today in 2020, for all who would look to Christ by faith in the here and now, right? That we would know that like Abraham, our faith in the Messiah, who is Jesus, will be counted to us as righteousness, amen? Goes on to say, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now, to help us kind of understand this. Well, first of all, delivered up for our trespasses, trespasses is easy enough to explain, right? Uh, that one, let's deal with that one first. We can explain that probably easier. Um, Christ died on the cross in our place to pay for our sins, right? He took the wrath that we deserve, that we could walk free from that wrath, safe from that wrath through faith in Christ, Right? So that one's a little easier because I think we're a lot more familiar with it for the most part, for, for probably most of us. But, but what about and raised for our justification? What does Paul mean by that? Well, in short, there is no justification. There is no being declared righteous in God's courtroom and therefore safe from the wrath that we deserve because of our sin. There is no justification without the resurrection of Jesus. Again, Christ's resurrection, as we've talked about many times as a church, is the receipt showing that the check cleared, right? That Jesus really did pay it all and that God was pleased with his payment on behalf of sinners, right? That's what the resurrection shows us. So if there's no resurrection, that means the check didn't clear, right? That means payment wasn't accepted, That means God is not pleased and we're still in our sins and we're still headed for the hell that we deserve, right? So in this way, the resurrection is essential for our justification. R.C. Sproul explains this well. He says, the resurrection of Jesus is not simply for his vindication, meaning showing that Jesus was in the right. It is for our justification, showing that we've been made right with God, right? That we will be accepted by God through faith in Christ. Because, he goes on to say, it is God's demonstration to his unjust people that he accepts the, f- the payment in full for the moral debt they have incurred. I like that summary. Again, Christ's resurrection is the receipt showing that the check cleared, that his payment for our sin was accepted, is acceptable and pleasing to God. If there is no resurrection, the check didn't clear, payment wasn't accepted, so the resurrection is essential for our justification without it church it would mean that jesus was a liar liar right and not the one and only savior of all who believe but instead church here's the good news jesus did rise from the dead showing that he is who he said he is and he did what he said he would do which is to give his life as a ransom for many So the question is, church, do we believe that? Do we believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is God in the flesh, that he is the one and only savior of the world? Do we believe that he did what he said he would do, that he paid in full for all of the sins of all who would look to him by faith? Do we believe that he is our one and only hope of salvation? If not, look to him by faith this morning while there's still time. Because it will run out for you. Time will run out for you to accept this offer of salvation, either when you die or Christ returns. And as we've talked about many times as a church, we don't know when either of those is gonna happen, right? Salvation by grace through faith in Christ is a limited time offer. So don't delay, call today, right? (laughs) Jump on it while there's still time, right? So in summary, to summarize this passage, what we see this morning, just as Abraham believed the Lord and his faith was counted to him as righteousness, the same is true for all who look to Christ by faith. I'll say that again. Just as Abraham believed the Lord and his faith was counted to him as righteousness, the same is true for all who look to Christ by faith. We're saved by grace alone. It's completely undeserved. Can't do anything to earn it. Through faith in Christ alone, like Abraham was, and not by works because Christ's perfect life and sacrificial death are accounted to us by faith. Faith is how Christ's perfect life and sacrificial death are credited to our account, so to speak. Faith is how that is made possible. That's the mechanism, It's through faith in Christ. Romans 4, uh, 23 through 25 says this, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Again, just as Abraham believed the Lord and his faith was counted to him as righteousness, the same is true for all who look to Christ by faith. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you that we're saved by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone and not by our works. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin, as we see in Romans 3.20. Lord, we thank you for that. We're saved by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. Otherwise, none of us would make it. Lord, help us to let go of our works as a means of trying to justify ourselves, to count them as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord, to count them as rubbish in order that we may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to do so either for the first time or anew together this morning to let go of our works and cling to Christ as our only hope of being declared righteous before our holy God and give us boldness to preach the good news that Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification to a lost and scared world that desperately needs to hear it. Lord, embolden and empower us to be bringers of good news in these dark and uncertain times. All these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.